We're living in the age of podcasting, which also means the age of podcast networks with large back catalogs, long-running series, limited programming, and even cross-network collaborations. How are publishers supposed to keep this all organized? With Spreaker, of course. Spreaker's customizable publisher plan lets you organize your content exactly how you want it and gives you enough pod tech tools to monetize the largest back catalogs. If you're into premium offerings for subscribers, check out Spreaker's customized RSS feeds to upload and schedule exclusive content with ease. Or use our campaign manager to manage different campaigns from one central platform. Once your podcast business gets big enough, you can even add multiple networks to one account and collaborators assigned to each one. That helps keep the true crime series away from the comedy podcasts and make sure you get the advertisements that will resonate the most with your listeners. So let's move from the age of podcasting to the age of the podcast network with Spreaker. Head to Spreaker.com to learn more. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Welcome to The Porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics. We examine the Word of God. We don't water it down. We don't filter it. We take it the way it was written, and we dig deeper, and we follow the example of the Book of Acts Church and how we study and how we do things. And I believe that we are, we are finding the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created. The portrait is about restoring the priesthood of the believer in the world-shaking influence that the early church had. Because we believe the church age is still in effect. The job is not done. Day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire still falls. The porch is an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc. on solomonsport.org. You can reach us there. Or even easier, go to firefalltalkradio.com. Use the contact button. There's also ways to support us there. We thank each and every one of you that do support us and encourage us. We hope that you will share with us as we share the word and help us to do more and keep things going. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site for Firefall Talk Radio. This is the main site. We also still broadcast on Apple Podcast and Spotify. And I think iHeartRadio, but I've not been able to get a confirmation of that. I must probably go there and look. So use Spreaker.com forward slash user Firefall Talk Radio, all one word, or download the Spreaker app. That's the easiest way to find us. So welcome to all our listeners. Stay up to date. I'll give you something up to date. How about the signs of the times? Let's preface this with Scripture. While he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him privately and said, Tell us when these things will happen. What is the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And the Lord said, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. For you will hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed, because these things must take place, but the end is not yet. 
For nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. And all these things are the beginning of the the sorrows, the beginning of the labor pains. Well, folks, um, hundreds of earthquakes have rattled the United States. And the level of seismic activity in North America is on the rise. Over the last seven days, there have been earthquake swarms directly along the New Madrid fault zone in Kansas and Oklahoma, as well as the West Coast. And there have been some very sizable seismic events in the vicinity of the Yellowstone supervolcano. The West Coast is getting um, hammered and rippling, according to Caltech. There have been more of a thousand, more than a thousand earthquakes in California and Nevada over the last week. Most of them are very small, but small things still move things along. Uh, USGS is saying that there have been more than 2,000 earthquakes nationally over the last seven days. Let me say that again. 2,000 earthquakes, but yeah, we're not supposed to be worried about that. Could it be possible that something is getting ready to happen, something big? One of the things that nobody's talking about is a dormant fault, has been dormant till now, the Garlock Fault, G-A-R-L-O-C-K, woke up, and it ties directly in to the San Andreas Fault and the Cascadian Subduction Zone along, along the West Coast, which is also active. Why am I telling you that? Well, it's a sign of the times. Two, we need to watch and pray. Don't stick your head in the sand. Get your head out of the stand and start paying attention to what's going on out there in the Middle East, in politics, in prophecy, um, in earthquakes, in natural things, volcanoes. I didn't even have time to list all of that. We we are in a period of time where we can not be asleep. So I praise the Lord for my home, my family, my wife, uh, my son's daughter-in-laws, my grandson, our furry kids, uh all the possessions, all the things that he's allowed me to have to do this podcast, broadcast, Bible study, whatever you want to call it. I praise him for his protection. Boy, we would not make it without divine protection. I praise him for the ministry that's his, that he lets me work. Praise him for the dreams and the visions, which are very active right now. I praise him that his healing virtues are still available. I believe it. I believe that in the name of Jesus, we can and be healed and are healed. So praise him. I praise him that we can praise him for healing, for dreams and visions, for for this ministry and for the, the, the word that feeds us, for a country that lets us do this as bad as things are right now. And I praise him for the signs that I believe he's giving that's saying he's getting ready to return. So get ready. Praise him. Praise him for his favor and the revelation and the salvation. Praise him for the word. And so I pray. I pray for the Middle East and everything that's going on right now. Israel's still in flux. It really does not have a formal, formalized, permanent government. They still haven't figured that out. I'm praying for the peace of Israel and, of course, the peace of Jerusalem, which means the Prince of Peace to return. I pray always for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice, and boy, is injustice rampant in this fallen world. Praying for our brothers and sisters around the world that are being persecuted for their faith, they're being slaughtered, their homes are being destroyed, their places of worship are being destroyed. But you know what? Even in the midst of that, there is an explosion of salvation in the Middle East. Even, even with the Lord and angels appearing to people, 
to lead them into salvation. I pray against the religious persecution, the anti-Semitism, the victims of sex trafficking, the, the young men and women, the children, the debauched satanic nature of this and the people involved with it, some of them very powerful, high-ranking, global elite people. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing for all of us to get back to our divine design. Make that your prayer every day. Pray for your body, your cells, your DNA to get back to their divine design. Pray for his favor to do that. We, we need to be healed. we got a job to do. So if you're healed right now, if you're sick right now, if something's bothering you mentally, emotionally, physically, if you need healing right now, I want you to agree with me in prayer. Father, I just come to you quickly right now in the name of Jesus for healing for my brothers and sisters that are listening from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. Whatever's wrong with them, be healed in the name of Jesus. Everything that is out of order, Lord, put it in order. Put it in line with your word. Anything that this world, the enemy, or our bad choices, or ancestry, or anything that has done to harm us, we pray correction. We pray renewal, and we pray that you would do something miraculous to us, through us, as a witness to the world, in Jesus' name. I pray for his protection over us. We're living in very dangerous times. I pray for the inspiration that we need to keep going. The remnant's got to wake up. I keep praying for that. I'm speaking to the remnant. Traditional church really doesn't want to hear what I have to say, and I'm okay with that. But I'm asking the remnant to wake up, to rise up, to answer the call to action. If it's been blessed, if you've been blessed, then be a blessing. Be a conduit of his blessing. If God has blessed you and this ministry has blessed you, then bless us. So I'm praying that the heavens would open, the windows of blessings would open, that his blessings would fund the dreams and the visions and the missions and everything he has shown us to do that we can do together. I pray for Pastor Shelley. I'm asking you to keep continue to pray for him. I'm hoping that you pray for me and my family and for SRT and the members of SRT. I want you to add Pastor Shelley to the category of my family. I consider him family. So when you pray for me and my family, pray for him. Pray for him to be healed. Pray for him to be restored and renewed and for God to use him in this time. I'm praying for divine favor and the positive conclusion to a legal matter that we've been involved in for way too long. Believing for breakthrough and a massive um, answer to prayer in that regard. I, I praise and pray for that we're getting better through diet and exercise, both my wife and I and, and hopefully some of you, changing the way we do things so that we can be better because we have to be better for him. Praying for our lost family members. If you have family members and friends and people that you care about that are unsaved, they should be a target of prayer for you. And my prayer and my praise is that no matter what, he's always with us and that he would continue to always be with us. Stacy in Texas wrote in. She said, I am not forgetting today. I've been pretty overwhelmed the past couple of weeks, but I'm, I think we're getting into a routine now. It's tough, but I'm thankful for this job. Thank you to everyone who prayed. It turns out it was definitely a divine appointment. I'm thinking of everyone and praying. She's asking for prayer for her and her kids. 
They are fighting sickness on and off this past month. The baby has bronchitis and needs breathing treatment. She had to miss work today. Um, She's asking for prayer for her husband and her as well. And for the Bolivia documentary that she's a part of, may we all be blessed with the wisdom and strength to endure in Jesus' name. Kim in Fort Mitchell also wrote in. She says, I praise him for another day. Says she and the baby have the stomach flu, but it could be worse. But we're going to pray for you in that regard, Kim. Says, I'm thankful for my salvation and sobriety. I praise him for being able to watch my children grow up. Praise him for this ministry, my friends Stacy and the Porch families. Father, please deliver my son Maurice and protect my children. Bless us and favor us. Heal our bodies. Break generational curses and other strongholds within families. She said, I feel led to pray for Rhoda. And if you don't know who Rhoda is, she is um, a supporter, a blessing. And right now she's dealing with a health issue that she needs prayer. So she's asking for divine healing for her. Uh, She's asking for healing for a girl named Nicole and a young man named Todd. Uh, Father, help me focus on you. Keep my eyes on you when things get tough. Save my mother and husband's soul. She's asking, she says, human trafficking and animal abuse seems to get worse day by day. Definitely a sign of the times. Uh, Please help me pray for a young woman named Anaya who went missing here in my area late November. Her car was found a week later, but nothing on her. Seems to be happening a lot. I think it's always happened, um, but it seems to be an uptick. That's just my personal opinion. I'm adding that. So, Lord, may your will be done. Help me to make the right decisions in this financial situation that I'm in. In Jesus' name. Let me add a prayer to my prayer. One of the things that I pray for, and that Larry, um, my brother and fellow member of SRT, we pray almost every day. We're praying for a specific blessing. And we're praying for it to fund everything. But one of the things we want to do is to be able to be a blessings to other, create some kind of a storehouse that when people have needs, that we can help them with their needs, to bridge them in over uh, bad times or help them to get a better job or do whatever. So I'm asking you to agree with us in prayer in that regard. So, Father, we thank you. We praise you and we love you. We ask you to clear our minds Take control of our hearts. Uh, open us up. Let let us soak in your word. Soak in your presence. We love you. We love you, Lord, for what you did on the cross. We love you for loving us even when we were unlovable. Thank you, Father, that you asked your only begotten Son to pay the price for us. And you sent back your Holy Spirit to walk with us, to guide us, and to encourage us. So right now, let this be a time that you are glorified and that we are edified, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information except we're noted that the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information and the manner presented is exclusive and cannot be repeated or reused without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So we're talking about belief in unbelieving times, and I felt 
Anthony, everything we've talked about in the previous weeks and some of the things that are going on right now in the world, and especially in the church, we really need to talk to this, uh, talk about this conflict between belief and unbelief and living in an unbelieving world. So let, let's set it up. What is unbelief? Unbelief is the lack of religious belief and absence of faith. It's also called disbelief, disbelief of divine revelation, divine providence, or a scheme of redemption. The King James Version of the word unbelief is two Greek words that are put together, which are disobedience and distrust, which, of course, is the antithesis of faith. There's a term for this in the world. It's called atheism. Atheism, in its broadest sense, is an absence of belief in the existence of deities. Less broadly is a rejection of the belief that any deities exist. In a very narrow sense, it's the specific position that there are no deities at all. There are no gods, big G or little g. Or when you look up this concept of atheism, you'll find that the top atheists in the world are primarily from academia and media two sources of influence and manipulation from our childhood through adulthood. Dr. Stephen Hawkins was a famous atheist. This is what he says in respect to God. Quote, when you look at the vast size of the universe and how accidental and insignificant human life is in it, that seems most implausible, meaning the existence of God. Well, He died recently, and I'm sure he's figured it out by now. He was wrong. 3.1% of Americans are atheists. 4% are agnostics. An agnostic is somebody that believes you you can't know about the existence or the nature of God or anything beyond the material world. They're not saying they don't believe. They're just saying they don't see how they could believe. So they, they they claim neither faith nor disbelief in God. Interestingly enough, just as an FYI, in case you're ever playing on Jeopardy, two-thirds of, a th- of atheists are also Democrats. Figured I'd throw that in. According to the Pew survey, 23% of Americans are agnostics. So you have, uh, you have a chunk of our society that not only don't agree with us, they are adversarial to us. They don't want to hear what we have to say. They don't want to hear what you have to say. And you look at the media, you look at television, you look at the Internet, you look at all the stuff that Hollywood puts out, and it's very adversarial to any of us who believe. They mock us. They mock what we believe. They present it falsely. They lie about us. And we know that's a part of the equation. So really what it comes down to is what do you believe In an unbelieving world. What do you believe? You know, I've I've taught in the past on when Yeshua said to the disciples, who do you say that I am? Do you have the boldness? Do you have the strength? Do you have the fortitude that in the midst of a situation that you might be rejected or it might have a negative effect that you'll tell the truth that Jesus, Yeshua, is Lord of my life. I love him. He is my Savior. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead. And I'm believing we're going to see him again. 
So if you confess with your mouth that Yeshua is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. That mouth, that heart-mind connection fires off, and you become born again. As the Scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And of course, you know that's Romans ten nine through 13. If you don't know, you need to make note of it. You may need to use it someday. So Yeshua's authority in our life is not limited by race. It's not limited by social stature. It's not limited by economics. It's not limited by anything. He rules over all people. He rules over everything. That at the name of Yeshua, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess in heaven, on earth, and under the earth that Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is no middle ground. You either believe or you don't. There's no limitation on it. And that was one of the earliest confessions of faith. Jesus, or Yeshua, is Lord that the Christians proclaimed to one another and to the world that Messiah ruled their lives. We need to confess it. We need to speak it out loud with conviction and belief. And I'm not saying you've got to beat people over the head with it. What I'm saying is your belief will show by the choices you make, by the things you do, by your actions. They should not have to search for, for the revelation or God or, or be forced, it should flow out of you. It should flow out of your heart. It should flow out of your very spirit. That's what this is all about. It doesn't matter what the world believes. It really doesn't matter. Because the gospel message, the good news of what Yeshua did for us on the cross is all the revelation we need to know about God and salvation. And what I mean by that is, you don't have to quote scripture, you don't have to know historicity, you don't have to know the Greek and the Hebrew. I teach it just to give you a better understanding, but the fact is, what you need to know deep inside of you is who he is, what he's done for you, and why he did it. And the fact that once you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that mind-heart connection changes something inside of you, maybe even on a DNA level, I believe. And it becomes a life-saving event. And that's available to everyone. So why is the world fighting it so hard? Well, we know why. The God of this world doesn't want people saved, healed, and delivered. He doesn't want to lose the people that are in his control. He doesn't want his kingdom to be plundered. But we've got to get to the point where we don't care what he wants. That when we intercede for a loved one or a friend, uh, every day when I go before the Lord and I, I go through my list of my family and, and Shelly and my pets, my possessions, uh, the people that I've been called to pray for, I'm always praying for 
aunts and uncles and cousins and relatives and friends and people that I care deeply about to be born again. I call them into the kingdom of God. I call them out of the kingdom of darkness. I want them to be saved. That's what the gospel message is. But let's get real. Not everyone's going to believe what you have to say. It's very difficult. I remember when I first got saved and you're filled with that fire and you're filled with that excitement when you come to that one person that really, really, really doesn't want to hear what you have to say. I never took it personally unless it was somebody I really cared about and the thought of them not um, spending eternity with, with God upset me, but I, I never took it personally. I took it as a, more of a challenge. But the fact is, from Genesis to Revelation, there are and have been and there will be people that don't believe in God, don't believe in his only son, Jesus, don't believe that there's a heaven or a hell, or they believe that everyone goes to heaven. They're not born again. And they're going to have a sad, sad awakening like Dr. Stephen Hawking did when they pass away. Isaiah 53, starting verse 1, says this, Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. We know he's talking about the Lord. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He is despised and rejected by men. That's the truth. By his own people, Jew and Gentile, by people in the world. And why am I reminding you of this? Because salvation is a faith response that you and I believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. And not everyone who sees this or witnesses God's manifestation or change in your life will respond in faith and belief, oh, that's great for you. I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm happy for you, but that's not for me. That's what they'll say. I've heard it. Oh, yeah, I see that you're different. You're not the same person as before, but, you know, religion does that. No, I don't, I don't, I don't do religion. I do a relationship. And you can have all the phrases, you can have all the responses, you can post all the memes, you can do everything, but you can't make them believe. But you have to try. 
See, being a believer in an unbelieving world means you have a responsibility. It's not to sit down and go, and good, I've got my ticket home when it's all over. I'm, that's great. I'm glad you got your ticket home. But you should be taking as many people with you as you possibly can. John three eighteen through 21, he who believes in him, the him being, of course, Yeshua, is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Don't, don't, don't tell me that there is no condemnation. People don't get sent to uh, an eternal damnation. That's right there, John three eighteen, John three nineteen, and this is the condemnation. That light has the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. So we're in a battle. We're in a battle between belief and unbelief. We're in a battle between light and darkness. We're, we're in a battle between an eternity with a loving God or an eternity in a torturous, torturous place created for Satan and his angels. The fallen world we live in is filled with unbelief no matter what we say or do. I'm not trying to rain on your parade. What I'm trying to do is get you to understand the challenge the other challenge is there are going to be people who claim to have met him, claim to believe in him, and they're going to walk away. You, you, you know people like that. I know people like that. I'm always astounded, and I realize that they were never truly born again. They had some kind of an emotional um, experience, but the roots never took. But it happened with the Lord. They saw him. They saw the miracles. They they heard him. They were there. They could touch him. And people still walked away. When he talked about drinking his blood and eating his flesh in John 6, many of his disciples heard this and said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And Yeshua knew in himself that his disciples complained about this. And he said to them, Does that offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Yeshua knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They walked away. They walked away from salvation. They walked away from life. They walked away from the light of the world because what he said, either they didn't understand or it offended them, and they left. Eyewitnesses to his ministry, to his miracles, to to everything, they walked away. When things got tough. But you see, he knew this, that at the beginning of his ministry, he knew that some would not believe and that some would betray him. And we could say, well, yeah, Judas, no. Every one of those people that walked away betrayed him. This was a relationship. This was a 
uh, a partnership, companionship, however you want to look at it. How do you feel when a friend betrays you or walks away or, or, or does something hurtful? It hurts. But he knew that this is what they would do. But then he looked at his disciples. He looked at the 12 and he said, do you also want to go away? And Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe and know that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And she answered him and said, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. We, we've got to be like Peter at that moment. We, we have to, wherever you're going through right now, whatever you're going through, wherever you are in your life, whatever the challenges are, whatever the enemy's trying to do to you, whatever the world's trying to do to you, whatever your circumstances are trying to do to you, you have got to fix your eyes on him and realize, I, I have no one else to go to, Lord. You're all I have. That... That Jesus, Yeshua, is eternal life. He's the words of eternal life. He is everything. And I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. No matter what, no matter what you're going through, no matter what's happening, take your eyes off your circumstances, stop whining, and turn your eyes to him. Begin to praise. Begin to pray. Being honest with him, Lord, you're all I have. If you don't show up here, and then remind him of what he already knows, what what you feel is about to happen, with the understanding that things are never really as bad as you think, and he always knows better. But that's been my prayer over the last couple of weeks, been going through some physical stuff, some stuff that's been lingering, things that I've been dealing with for a while, don't have medical insurance. Yeshua is my medical insurance. And sometimes the situation will get dire. And I'll have to go before him and say, um, Lord, we're here again. If you don't do something, I'm going to be in trouble. And then I wait on him and he always does something. Sometimes it's an automatic healing. Sometimes it's a revelation as to what it is wrong and how to fix it. But whatever it is, He's my Messiah. He is my Lord. He is my everything. So when, you, when you're in this world and you're around friends and loved ones who don't believe or maybe even claim they believe, but the fruit on their tree is either rotten or non-existent, focus on this, that you are a child of God. According to 1 John 5, 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah has become a child of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We're all family. I don't know what it's going to take to get some of you to understand that. I also know that over the years, as I've honed in on this message, you must be born again, and like laser-like took that broad spectrum light and brought it into this thin powerful beam the the numbers of listeners have gone down 
and that's okay. I only want to speak to the people that want to hear. But we are in a period of time where the enemy is running amok. The world has gone nuts. You think you understand, but you don't. You listen to things on social media which turn out not to be true. You fix your eyes on people instead of your eyes on the Lord. You get confused by all these things, and it's exactly what the enemy wants. What I want you to to focus on is your belief in an unbelieving world, in an unbelieving situation. Maybe you're in an unbelieving marriage. Maybe you're in a family of unbelievers. No matter what, you focus your eyes on him. You listen to what the Spirit says, and you do what the Word says. It's not, it's not easy. It's not easy being a believer in the Lord. It's not easy being bo- truly born again in a religious system for the most part, that doesn't even make that a priority. You can sit next to people in a pew for years and then eventually discover, wow, they, they know of him, but they really don't know him. I've, I've sat in churches of 40 or 50 people and hundreds and even thousands. And it's staggering to see the number of people that are not born again. Go with me to Revelation 7, starting with verse 9. And after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number of all the nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands, and crying out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then the one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne and will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat, for the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will be shepherd, will shepherd them and lead them to the living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation, who washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. You know that I believe in a a rapture of the church. I believe in a pre-trib rapture of the church. I also believe that certain people may go through There may be three phases, pre-trib, mid-trib, not at all. I believe it's going to take whoever is ready to go. I also believe that you don't want to be here when the spiritual stuff hits the fan. 
You don't want to be here during tribulation, and you definitely don't want to be here through the great tribulation, because that is the time of Jacob's trouble. That is for Israel and the Jews who did not believe in him. And if you're still here during that time, if you're one of those people that adhere to the nonsense out there from people bashing and making fun of and, and really being rude about anyone who believes in a rapture of the church, so be it. I believe he's going to give everyone what they want, and those people that want to stay are going to be left behind. And they're going to be very sorry they were. So you call yourself a believer. What what does that mean? We've talked about unbelief. Let's talk about belief. The definition of belief is a state of a state or habit of mind in which trust or confidence is placed in some person or thing or a, a, a body of tenets or beliefs held by a group. Well, we know we're placing our trust and confidence in a person, Jesus of Nazareth. It is the conviction of the truth of some statement of the reality of some being or phenomenon, especially when based on the examination of evidence. Do you believe? What do you believe? I have met people that have listened to me for years. And I discover that they, while they may have the audio on, they're really not listening. Because when they tell me some of the things they believe, I, I just shake my head. Well, they write and ask me questions, and I'm going, Okay. Somebody was doing something else when this part was covered. What do you believe? If you had to sit down right now with a piece of paper and a pen or on your tablet or on your smartphone or whatever, what do you believe? List everything you believe about Jesus, about God. List everything you believe. Give yourself a a statement, a doctrinal statement of beliefs. Because here's the problem. This is a quote from Brennan Manning that I heard in a DC talk on a DC talk album many years ago. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. We are the greatest impediment to people getting saved sometimes. That's why you got to be a living witness to the gospel. Larry and I were talking about this today. When I was younger in the Lord, I wanted you to know who I was just by looking at my clothes. Christian t-shirts. I would, I would go out into business meetings in Hollywood when I was still trying to sell my projects. And I would show up in a suit, double blazer, black a double-breasted blazer, black suit, and underneath it would be a black T-shirt with the white face of Jesus on the front of it. And my attitude was, I'm going to force them to look at his face. I wore that one time to a, a legal deposition in a hostile legal setting. And, and the lawyer that had been hired to represent me just shook his head. And he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm forcing him to look at the face of Jesus while he harasses me. But you know what? I'm at the point now. I have all these Christian t-shirts. I have the hats. I've got the pins. I've got all those things I hardly ever wear. 
I want people to know who I am by the way I act. I want them to know who I am by the way I speak. I want to be a living witness to the gospel of Yeshua. Because the fruit of a tree does not change. The only thing that changes is the presence of that fruit. It's either barren or it's fruitful. And the quality, it's either good or it's rotten. An apple tree isn't an apple tree because you call it that or because you you put a label on it. It's an apple tree because what? It produces apples. So I and you and everybody that's listening, people should know who you are by the things you say and do and how you live and the choices you make. And this this is something I, I meant to talk about. And it's something I call rooting for the other team. And what that means is I grew up in New York as a New York Yankee baseball fan. So if I'm rooting for the Yankees and I go to a Yankee game, but I'm wearing Red Sox memorabilia, how, how does that work? How can I be rooting for one person but supporting the other team? What do you mean, Richard? That makes no sense. Well, let me put it this way. If you're a Christian and you celebrated Halloween, that's exactly what you did. You were supporting the other team. If you if you can't turn off a TV show that offends, mocks, belittles your beliefs and belittles the Lord, if you can overlook it and just compartmentalize it, then I've got a problem with that. You're supporting the other team. If you can do things that are forbidden in the Bible— and justify it because, well, the Bible was written then, that was then, this is now, then you're rooting for the other team. Because every time you make a decision like that, you're supporting the enemy. And if you can't be sold out to the Lord, then don't question why the enemy has access to your life. Don't question why the enemy gets into your mind, your home, your family, your marriage, your business, your job. Don't question it when you are walking a compromised walk. I know that's tough, and I know I may have may have offended you, but that's not my problem. We're living in a time. We're believing in Him, in Him, in Yeshua as Lord, in Jesus as Lord. In an unbelieving world, means we need we need to take a stand, and that stand needs to be firm, with no compromise. This is something that's been rolling through my spirit. It's been bothering me, seeing people that I care about rooting for the other team, supporting the other team. A good tree is known by good fruit. A bad tree is known by bad fruit. And now if I look at your tree and I see a combination of good fruit and bad fruit, I realize somebody's not been taking care of that tree. Have you ever reached into a bag of apples? All shiny. They look real great. And you reach in, you grab that apple that you want to eat, and you turn it over and realize the backside is rotten. It not only repels you, it affects your view of the entire bag of apples. That's what happens with Christians who walk a compromised walk. People want to see the good side of the apple but then they see the rotten side, and that's all they remember. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. 
1 Peter 3.15. In these times, in a turbulent, unbelieving, ungodly, at times satanic world, guess why people want hope? They want hope. Where, where do they find it? Some find it in a bottle. Some find it in a drug. Some find it in pornography or, or other, these other things the enemy is willing to offer them. Their hope is in the Lord. It's at those moments that you can tell them about the hope in your heart. And when you say it in such a way that it is resonating from that love in your heart, it will pierce their darkness. We need to have the faith and have our hope working together. That's what this is about. That's what the C Conference was about. That's what going out there and preaching the gospel and meeting with people and doing the things I do with SRT, it's only about one thing. It's about bringing hope into a dark, hopeless world. Because without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You must believe that he is God. You must believe that Yeshua is Lord and when you have faith in that, when you have hope in that, guess what happens? Miracles happen. It's like we talked about at the Sea Conference. It's in, the, it's in the video. The woman with the issue of blood. I said it here a couple of weeks ago. She had a now need, but she had a now faith. Now faith is, and she got a now miracle. That's why we do this. That's why we talk about the Word. Romans ten seventeen. faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Yeah, but Richard, you say this, and I turn off the, uh, the porch, and I, I see calamity. I see famines. I see earthquakes. I see tribulations. I, I see fires. I see animals being abused. I see human trafficking. And I pray, and I don't seem to get an answer. There's a scripture about that. Proverbs thirteen twelve. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. You've got to hold on. You're praying for a loved one to get saved, and you've got to hold on. You're praying for a situation. You believe the Lord has answered. You believe it's going to happen the way that he has shared with you in your spirit. It's going to happen. Then you've got to hold on. You've got to have belief. You've got to keep praying. You've got to press on. You've got to dig your heels in. But we're living in a world where people don't have hope. They have no one to go to. What keeps you going? I'm asking you a question. What keeps you going? That should be in your doctrinal belief statement. Not what you, only what you believe about him, only what you believe about God. What keeps you going? See, if you do that, you can go and refer back to it when things get tough and you've forgotten. See, I believe that no matter what happens, no matter what the world says, no matter what the media says, no matter what politics says, no matter what anybody says, I believe that my Heavenly Father and the Lord love me. And I believe they want the best for me. And I believe that the word of God is true. You see, I believe. 
I know some of you are struggling. I can feel it in the spirit right now. Some of you have been honest enough to tell me. But I would guarantee if I asked you, are you going to specific scriptures like the one I'm about to read to edify your spirit? Man, how much time are you spending in the Word? Almost everyone that I talk to that's struggling, they do drive-by prayers. They they do shotgun prayers. Oh, yeah, I, I spend a little time with the Lord in the morning with my coffee. I do some devotions, and then I go out into the world. Not good enough. Do you pray? Yeah, you know, sometimes I'll pray in the morning. Sometimes I'll pray in the car. No, that's not what I mean. I mean, you and the Lord, you block out time for him. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall we not with him also, how shall he not with him also give us all these things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Messiah who died and furthermore is risen. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Messiah? The love of Messiah shall tribulation or distress, distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Messiah Yeshua our Lord. Sometimes you're going to have to read that out loud. Sometimes you're going to have to remind your spirit man and read that out loud. Sometimes you're going to have to remind the enemy, hey, enemy, this is what I believe. This is what I believe. You can't take that from me. But it's you, you who have to believe it. I can't believe it for you. I can intercede for you. I can stand with you, but I can't do it for you. Martin Luther said, just as no one can go to hell or heaven for me, so no one can believe for me, so no one can open or close heaven or hell for me, no one can drive me either to believe or disbelieve. You must have belief in unbelieving times. The amount of false teaching, the amount of deception, the amount of things going on. Remember what he said, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying I am the Messiah and will deceive many. I see a lot of people saying that they're Christians. I see a lot of teachers preaching and teaching and claiming that they know the Lord. But what comes out of the mouth is not biblical. It's not scriptural. Their lives don't line up. They're fleecing the church while they fill their pockets. They're not getting anyone saved, healed, and delivered. They sit in judgment of everybody else. They do they do all these videos and DVDs, and they go all do all these seminars. Folks, we were given one job, get people saved, healed, and delivered. That's the Great Commission. That's it. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. There was no other commission. It wasn't to build buildings. It wasn't to have events. 
It wasn't to do any of those things. It was to go into all the world and make disciples, which means spend time with them, teach them the word, walk with them. Back in 1969, during the Jesus Freak movement, a man named Larry Norman wrote a song. And the first section goes like this. A life, life was filled with guns and war, and everyone got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. Children died. The days grew cold. A piece of bre- bread could buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come, and you've been left behind. Is he just talking to the church or he's talking to the world? I believe he was talking to everyone. So, Father, I'm going to cut it here. We'll pick some of this up next time. Because I believe it's more important right now to know what you believe. What do you believe in unbelieving times? What do you believe in an unbelieving world? Stop accepting what the world says. Stop accepting what other people say. And decide what do you believe. Father, I pray right now. I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would fall upon each and every one of us. I pray that the bondages and the chains and the, the addictions and the, 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 the words of criticism and all the things we've done to ourselves to let others do to us to be, to be victims and be victimized. I pray right now that by the power of the Holy Spirit that be washed clean. That we decide the outcome because we believe in you. It's no longer in the enemy's hands. It's no longer in the world's hands. It's no longer in anybody's hands but ours because of your hands, your nail-pierced hands, the blood that was shed right now, Lord. Wash us, change us, fill us. Let us be beacons of light, beacons of fire, beacons of hope in a hopeless world so that people don't have to ask us, what do you believe? We know the times are changing. We know the times are going to get worse. But we pray right now not to waver. The flame may go back and forth on the top of that candle, but it won't go out. Fill us right now, Lord. Fill us with the hope that we need. Give answers to prayers where people are waiting for answers. Breakthroughs where they need breakthroughs. Divine, divine, miraculous events that the world would have to say, that was impossible, that's a miracle. Things like melanomas drying up at the root and just falling off. Money coming out of nowhere. Relationships miraculously restored. Breakthroughs happening where you didn't think that they were going to happen anytime soon. Lord, we believe, we believe in you. Even in these unbelieving times, even in an unbelieving world, we believe in you. We believe in your word. We believe in your spirit. We believe in your heart. And we believe it in our heart. And I pray this, and I pray that all my brothers and sisters would come into agreement with me. In Jesus' name.
Amen. So you got an assignment. You got a homework assignment. And I'm serious. I don't need you to email it to me to prove that you did it. It's between you and the Lord. But you need to write down what you believe. You you need to make a declaration of what you believe about him, what you believe about your heavenly father. You need to make a statement of faith for yourself. And then whenever it wavers, whenever the enemy comes in too hard like a flood, that's the standard that you lift up against him. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter.